Well, welcome. How y'all doing? Fantastic. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, you are in the middle of a series that we started back in the very beginning of the year entitled Simple. And really the whole premise of this series is the fact that every church, every organization, every business, everything starts out simple and it just gets complicated. How many of y'all, when, I mean, you got married Things were simple, wasn't it, right? I mean, you loved him, she, uh, I mean, and she loved her. I mean, wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me back that up. All right. She, she loved him, he loved her, and everything was just great, right? I mean, who needed money, right? You could just live on love. And that worked out for like the first 24 to 48 hours, right? And then things got complicated. And, and, and then you put kids and you get mother-in-law and father-in-laws in there and all this stuff. It just gets complicated. Everything moves from simple to complicated. Let me give you another example. Restaurants, all right? How many of y'all have ever eaten at Hardee's? Let me see your hand. All right, most of y'all eat at Hardee's. Let me tell you what Hardee's was known for back in the day. They, it was a very simple concept. They wanted to have the best hamburger, right? Very simple, best hamburger. And for a while, it was kind of you know, subjective, but they had good hamburgers. Here's the thing, though. They got good at making hamburgers, and it just they kind of got bored with it, so they started, you know what, let's do something different. So they actually got the donut holes, anybody remember those? The bee holes, anybody else remember what I'm talking about? They had the, um, they had, uh, they, they started making fried chicken. They started making like sushi. It just got weird. Nobody goes to Hardy's for sushi, right? Or, or I mean, it's just weird. And, and there's this drift towards, okay, we, we, okay, we got this right. Now let's start doing something and, and, and let's get broader. And I tell you, the very same thing that's true in a restaurant, that's true in marriage, is true in the church. Every church started out with this probably very simple premise. Let's focus on reaching the lost. Let's focus on people who are disconnected from God, and let's actually introduce them to God. Very simple concept. The problem is, churches, they start really making it complicated. And I've been there, and you've probably been there as well. So the the whole premise of this series is let's go back to the simple. Let's go and talk about why we do what we do. The first week we were here, if you were here, um, we talked about that the church should be easy and accessible. It should be simple, that everybody, anybody, whether that they've never been to church before, they've never read the Bible, they should be able to come come on a church on a Sunday morning and be able to like it and understand it. All right. Last week, we talked about this whole idea, or we talked about our mission statement, and it is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember we talked about that? And we defined what a growing relationship looks like. And we talked about a growing relationship really is having three relationships, intimacy with God, community with insiders, and even influence with outsiders. And we talked about three environments that we create pretty much every week here at One Church, for, so that people can be able to get involved in the pursuits of one of those three relationships. We talked about foyer, we talked about living room, and we talked about kitchen. Today, we're really going to be talking about small groups. We're going to be talking about that kitchen table environment. Because here's what I know, and here's what you know. Americans, the more, we, more technology we have, the more we're on social media, it feels like the more disconnected we feel. How many of y'all have ever like walked into a room and you saw six people all together but not speaking to one another, but they were doing this? Anyone? Right? I mean, I've totally been there. 
I've been to parties where, you know, people are, you know, you're at a party and, and people are not communicating this way, they're twispering. Anybody know what twispering is? It's where they're talking about other people in the room, but they're doing it over social media. They're doing it over texting or whatever, all right? I mean, there's this whole idea that, you know what, okay, maybe technology can get us closer together, but I, in so many ways, I just feel like we're lonelier. I feel like we're isolated. John Donne once said it like this. He said that no man is an island. But I really believe in this day and age, that's exactly what we are. We are islands that are disconnected and don't touch each other. We don't connect with people anymore. We're not close with anyone. I mean, we really don't talk. We don't communicate. People prefer voicemail, excuse me, they prefer texting over talking because, and I remember one person told me this, when you call somebody, that's just so disrespectful. And I'm like, please tell me more. You know, I'm like, really? Well, I mean, you're interrupting them and you want to talk and text. I can just zing it out there. And I'm like, oh, right? It's this idea that even though we have more ways of connecting, we feel more isolated. In fact, one poll said it this way, that one out of four Americans have no close relationships with anyone. I mean, you think about this. Look around. Everybody kind of look around, see all the people we have in here. You can just count in here, one out of every four of you guys, if something happened in your life, you would have nobody to call. You'd have nobody to rely on. If something happened with your marriage or with your children or with your finances, one out of four of us would be alone. Why is that? Another one, this same poll says this, over 50% of people named two or fewer people that they are close to and most of those two or fewer were family so really we're in this era where it's like we wake up in the morning we get our coffee and now we're awake and we get in our car we turn on the car we open up the garage we back out we drive to where we work we go into our little cubicle we stay there until five o'clock we get out of our cubicle we get back into the car we drive home and we open up the garage we pull in we close it and then we go hang out on the back porch and it's like we're not connecting with people and some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because some of you, you may, maybe the reason why you don't connect with people, maybe you're not an extrovert. And I totally understand that. And you think, okay, Chris, maybe what you're talking about is really more for you. You need to know this. Everybody needs connection. Extroverts may need more than others, but everybody needs connection. Others of you, you're kind of struggling with the whole connecting with people because maybe you're struggling through some things that's happened and you've seen overseas. In the war, and it's like, I just don't know if I can connect. I don't know if I can trust anyone. You need to know this, that everyone needs somebody that they can rely on and trust on. They need a battle buddy. So what we're going to be talking about today is how all of us need community. And by the way, we've locked the doors so nobody can get out. I'm just going to be honest with you. My goal for you, I'm joking, but kind of. My goal for you today is for you to leave your seat and say, you know what? I am going to intentionally get into community with somebody else. That's my goal, all right? So whether or not I succeed or fail is really dependent upon you guys. So let's dig in here. As we, as we kind of dig into this, if you think this, is, this loneliness thing is just thing that happens outside the church, listen to these statistics. After seven months, if somebody who comes to church hasn't built two genuine relationships, they will eventually leave. One person said it this way, I'm not looking for a friendly church, I'm looking for friends. 
Another statistic says this. Out of 400 church dropouts, they were asked why that they dropped out of church. Listen to this. 75% said, I didn't feel like anybody cared whether I was there or not. You know, we talked about that last week, that in our four-year environment where we're at now, this is a hard place to connect and to really get to know people. I understand that. That's the reason why if you're hanging out here, we're encouraging you to take that next step and get into a community group. One of our values here is authentic community. Whether we, where we bring men and women and singles together in such a way that creates an opportunity for accountability to happen. So that people can ask you questions about what's really going on in your life. So that belonging, so that you have a sense of it's bigger than just me. And so that when the bottom falls out of your life, you get care. That doesn't happen here on 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. That happens in a group. Here's our big idea today. Our big idea today is this. That Christianity isn't about solo. It's about team. Christianity isn't about solo, it's about team. Let me kind of unpack that a little bit. Most people think of Christianity like they think of golf. How many of y'all are golfers? All right, some of you, all right. Not many of you, actually. All right, cool. Um, I, you know, I, I really wanted to like golf, and you hear most pastors, you know, they play golf. I don't play golf. Here's the reason why. I'm really good at putting, but driving, I stink. In fact, the only time, I, you know, when I got my wood and I swung back and I reared it up and I actually got air, I, it got huge air. And this, I was like in high school, so it was ancient ago. And, and it went over the horizon, over the hill, and all of a sudden I hear, ah! And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've killed somebody, right? But I didn't. I just hit the person's golf bag. Um, I'm just, you, you, you know, that's, but here's the thing about golf. Whether or not... You hit a good shot, whether or not you do good at golf is all about you. It's like this guy right here, Tiger Woods. When Tiger is on the course, everybody's surrounding him, right? And everybody's watching him. And when he gets up and when he drives, he gets that, you know, that, that four wood and, he go, and it goes, everybody claps. Oh, that's awesome. And when, he, and when he drives and he slices or hooks, everybody, oh, they gasp. Oh, he did a bad shot. Oh, he did a good shot. Oh, he, oh he, you know, he got it in the water. Oh, whatever. I mean, most people think of Christianity like that. Everybody's kind of looking at you from the sidelines waiting for you to screw up. Or, or if you do good, it's because you just were amazing and you have all this commitment and there's, you just, there's amazing stuff in you. And when you failed, it's just like, oh, we knew it, you know. That's not how Christianity is supposed to be. Christianity isn't about golf. It isn't a solo. It's a team sport. It's like a football team. Now, y'all know me. This next picture, you know what team this is going to be because this is Auburn football. Any Bama fans? Maybe next year. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. Anywho, but here's the thing. When you got, I mean, when you have 11 guys on the field, you know, yeah, you're going to have a, a great running back. And yeah, you may have a great quarterback, but at the end of the day, you can have the best quarterback in NCAA. If he doesn't get any blocking, he's going to get pulverized, right? It's not just about having one good player. Really, football is a team sport. Um, basketball the same way. You can have Michael Jordan out there, and he'd be amazing. Or LeBron, he's out there. He's an amazing. But if, if he doesn't have anybody else with him, he is going to lose. 
That's how Christianity is. Christianity is a team sport. It's an all skate. It isn't about golf. It isn't about solo. It's about coming together. Even though this is really bad um, politics, maybe, it's really good in this point that it takes a village for us to be able to help each other out. It takes more than just one person. It's not you just out there, you doing your own Christianity thing, and I hope you make it, and if we don't, we're going to talk about you. No, no, it's we're in this together. And if you fail, it's on me. And if you succeed, then it's on me. It's about us. It's about us locking arms and doing life together. Now, here's the thing about this, and here's the pushback. Some of you, you have this whole idea that, you know what, and you look at Christ followers, you look at Christians from a distance, and maybe you're kind of new to faith, and you're like, there's no way I could be that good, right? There's no way I can be as good as she is. It's just not. I, and, and, and there's no way that I have enough commitment. I don't have enough knowledge. I know. Here's the thing, and this is what we're going to really be digging into. If you see somebody from afar, that you're impressed with, and you think, wow, they've got it together, they're living the Christian life. And let me tell you, nine times out of ten, the reason why they're that way is because they're surrounded by a team of people that helps them. They're not as good as you think. They have help. And I'm hoping today you will get help. You will stop doing this solo golf thing and you will join a team. That you will cross and take that next step and you will say, you know what? I'm willing to be in community. We didn't make this up. It's in the Bible. In fact, you have your Bibles today. Turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is a very difficult book to find in the, in the New Testament. Um, Hebrews is in, if you have a Bible, anybody have a Bible? Hey, one person, thank you. The rest of you are like, I got a phone, right? All right, that's cool. If you have actually a paper Bible, anybody remember what books are? Anybody? Anyone? All right, cool. <laughs> if, you, if you have the book, you know, the Bible with the print and all that, you know, pages. All right, so you're going to keep on turning, keep on turning. You're going to pass Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you've got to James or Jude or Revelation, you went too far. All right, so if you have your Bible on your phone, let me see you. That's all y'all. Just go to Hebrews. Or you, know, or, you know, here's what's so cool. Go to live and you'll see us there. All right. So let's talk about this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And if you have a teenager who's driving, you're going to love one of these words. Let us hold, what's that word? Unswervingly. Unswervingly. What is swerving? Some of you are like, if you want to know what swerving driving is, Look at my spouse. How many of y'all, you would say that? Don't raise your hands. All right. All right. So marriage counseling is available later. All right. I, I am not a good driver, and my wife will be the first one to tell you. how We have some of our biggest arguments when we're in the car and I'm driving. Just letting you know, right? So, but I mean, I swerve, and I don't think I'm swerving. I think I'm a great driver, right? But I'm not. I stink, right? But I swerve, right? Uh, my son, Walt. Uh, he's kind of working on his permit. So last Sunday, not today, but last Sunday, I let him drive on the interstate from my house to here because I want to teach the dude. And I, I literally, my prayer life skyrocketed. I'm like, I'm going to die, right? Um, because, I mean, sw- uh, swerving is this. That's not what we're talking about here. Unswerving is this. It's a straight line. 
And here's what the writer's saying here. If we all have hope, we profess. We all have values, we profess. We all have a relationship. Some of us, we say, you know what? This is what I believe in, and that's what we profess. We have values. We have, and he, what he's saying is, if you have values or hopes or dreams or religion you profess, and let us hold unswervingly to that. How many of y'all have ever met somebody who swerved maybe relationally, morally? All of us have. That may have been you. And, and that's what we're talking about today. All of us, we have this thing that we profess. Okay, I believe in God or I believe in Jesus or maybe that's not even your thing. I just have some values. And he's saying this, if you want to be unswerving in your values, unswerving in your relationship with God, unswerving in your marriage... If you want to be consistent in your finances, if you want to be consistent as a parent, if you want to be consistent as a person, if you, how many of y'all did New Year's resolutions? Raise your hands, it's okay, I'm not going to yell at you. We want to be consistent in those, right? All of us, we have things that, man, I want to be consistent in that. What he's saying, if we want to be consistent, then we're going to have to do something, and what we're going to have to do is in this next verse. Look at this. It says this, and let us, what's that next word? If you want to be consistent and unswerving, you're going to have to think about something. You're going to have to ponder about something. You're going to have to do some planning. It's amazing to me how I see so many people, they spend more time planning for their vacation than they do planning their life or planning their marriage. You know, uh, okay, if if, if you spend this much time planning a week away, don't you think you need to spend some time pondering and planning? Here's what I'm going to do for the long haul. What he's saying, if you want to be consistent and unswerving, then you got to consider how we may, what's the next word? Spur. Spur. Let's talk about that. How many of y'all have ever gotten on a horse before? All right. Last horse I got on, his name was Elmer. He turned into glue. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was funnier in my head. All right. <laughs> Think about this. If you're on a horse and you spur a horse, is that a pleasant experience for the horse? Nah, nah, it's not. Now, if you're riding the horse, it may be pleasant. But if you're the horse being spurred, it's not that pleasant. Now, listen to what he's saying. If you want to be consistent in your values, consistent in your marriage, consistent in all of these things, then you've got to figure out how you can find some people to spur you along. Spur one another on towards what? Love. Good deeds. Let's, what is that? Let's paraphrase that spur. What's a word that we can put in there? Encourage. You got to find somebody who can motivate you. Find somebody who can challenge you. Maybe even find somebody who can nag you, who can prod you. Some of you thinking, I already found somebody who can nag me. I married her. Whoa, whoa, time out. I'm just saying. I'm not talking about that. But we got to find somebody who can get up in your business and prod you and motivate you and encourage you and spur you along. That's a powerful combination. He's saying, if you want to be unswerving in your faithfulness to God, unswerving in your consistency, unswerving in your convictions, you've made decisions about entertainment issues. Maybe you made some decisions about how you run your business. You made some decisions like how to prioritize your family and your work. You made some very important decisions. If that's the case, if you want to be unswerving in those decisions, then you need to hook up relationally with a group of people whom you've empowered, that is, you gave them permission to spur you in all of those things that you want to be consistent in. 
You see, even though we see spurring as a negative thing, spurring gets you moving. Spurring gets you going. And some of you, you think, you know what, just because I put a resolution on paper that I'm going to be farther down the road 2014 to 2013, you need to know you are incorrect. Because it's going to take somebody to say, really? That, that's what you want to do. That's your decision. You, have you, you, you may need to rethink that. You, you're going to have to find somebody that you can give them permission to ask, you did who with what last night? I mean, I saw you with her again and you were eating lunch. You're married, but that's not your spouse. Tell me a little bit about that. You're going to have to find people, and I'm not talking about hurling stones. I'm not talking about, just ask questions. Ask questions. You see, if we want to be in swerving, we got to find some people who can spur us along. But let's keep on going. Let's look at this last verse we're going to see for today. It says this, let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us, what is it? Encourage one another. All the while we see the day approaching. Here's the thing. Many times when people ask you those accountability questions, they say, hey, should you be doing that? Have you thought about that? It's easy for us to say, who are you? Why are you in my business? Why don't you, you know, you go take care of your mess, I got care of mine. The problem is, when we start putting stuff that up there, and we start leaving the pack, you know what you call a wildebeest who's left the pack? Lunch, dinner, supper, whatever you want to call it. Depends on what time of day it is, right? You get that wildebeest who's left the pack and has given up meeting together. I mean, that person, that wildebeest, is going to be eaten by a lion or a crocodile. There's power in getting a group of people together in a pack. Why? Because Christianity isn't solo. It's all about team. And it's going to take people around you and around me so that we can be consistent. I've heard this, and somebody shared this with me about six years ago in an email, but it's like the old pastor who goes to the, the gentleman's house who stopped going to church a long time ago and goes to the house, knocks on the door, guy lets him in, old pastor sits down, and he's there. It's a, old, it's a wintry day, and he's there by the fire. And the old pastor grabs the poker and takes a log that's on the fire that's blazing and pulls it down onto the hearth, and they sit there and they watch the one log that was ablaze at one time start to snuff out. And after a while, that log that was once on fire now is cold. And the old gentleman who hadn't been to church in four with tears in his eyes looked at the pastor and says, I get it. I'll be at church on Sunday. Because that's what all of us have the potential of going out and our flyer and our passion of going out when we get ourselves and isolate ourselves. But it's more than just coming to church, hear me. It's about getting into a group. Because as I'm looking out with people's faces and many faces I know, I know you've had some issues in your, in your marriage, issues with your finances, issues with kids, issues with all of this stuff that you had surrounded yourself with a group of people who helped you. I am encouraging you, my goal for you today is when you leave here that you find a group, that you step into community, that you say, you know what, I'm willing to try it. And some of you, here's your pushback. You're saying, Chris, I tried a group 
a while back. It didn't work. Okay, let's talk about that. I understand that. How many of y'all have ever ate a meal you didn't like? Did you ever stop eating? No. You got a different meal. Ladies, let's, let me talk to you just for a little bit. Have y'all ever gotten a haircut that you weren't pleased with? Anyone? Did you stop going to the person? Did you stop getting your haircut? No, you kept on getting your haircut. You just didn't go that, you didn't go that short again. You didn't go that color. You didn't go that whatever, right? Um, here's the thing. Maybe you've been in a group and it wasn't a positive experience. And? I mean, do you ever say, did you, what if your kids come home and say, mother, father, they're in third grade. I did not enjoy my, my class today. I don't want to ever go back to school. Yes, honey, you never have to go back. You had a bad day. Do we say that? No, you would be in jail, right? You would. Seriously, I got my son, my youngest son, he's struggling with his teacher. He is. And you always hope your kids get a good teacher. By the way, if you're the teacher, and if you're here, welcome to One Church. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to mention your name. But here's the thing. You know what? Sometimes you just struggle. Sometimes if you're the teacher, you struggle with the kids. You know what I'm saying? That's how it is. And, and you say, you, well, you know, I'm just not going to teach anymore. Some of you want to say that, right? Or, you know, I'm, just, you know, I'm not going to send little Johnny back to school anymore. No, you keep on going. Because we know the power of you keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. You're going to learn something. Let me tell you. Man up. Woman up. You got into a bad group, move on. Get into another. My point is this. If you want to be farther along this year and be more consistent this year than you ever have been, you have got to get into a group, period, right? So let me explain how we're going to do this because I'm, I'm pretty much done. I'm, I'm ending short today because I want you guys to have time to get into a group. As soon as the announcements are over, we're going to open up these doors, and there's three tables out there. There's one that says ladies, there's one that says men, and there's one that says couples, we're going to ask you to be able to find a group. And there's going to be three or four different groups out there, some meeting on Sunday nights, some meeting on Friday nights, some meeting on Tuesday nights. You're going to see people with name tags out there that you can kind of interact with and just kind of check them out. Just check them out and see, hey, do I, you know, as you're kind of talking to them, do you even like them type of thing? You ain't got to tell them, just, is this my people type of thing? And if they're not your people, that's cool. Right? And let's say you get out there and you get in, you know, you say, I'm going to get in this group. You choose the group. You've got six to eight weeks to decide whether or not this is a good fit for you. I'll give you an example. Our last group, we had about 20 people sign up for our last group, my, my wife and I's last couple group. And we all met at our house for the first night. And we, Kim and I shared our story, you know, just kind of shared who we are. And uh, the next Sunday, we had 10 people come back. <laughs> You know what? I mean, I, it was so funny because we were like, is, is it me? Really? I mean, is it, it may have been me. I may have been the weirdo. I'll, I'll totally get that. You may go into a group and you may not, they may not be your people. I understand that. Find another group. We're going to do another group link in March. Right? So if you didn't get a group into this, this semester, you can do it in just a couple of months. My encouragement, you've got to find a group of people because if you don't, it's going to be easy for you to get discouraged. It's going to be easy for you to start swerving. And you're going to start doing some things that 
You're going to start experiencing some things and saying yes to some really dumb decisions. That if you had just surrounded yourself with a group of people who loved you just the way you are, but also loved you enough to tell you the truth. Imagine how your life would be differently. Imagine all of the dumb stuff that you've done up to this point. Imagine if you had a group of people who leaned into you so much and said, you know what, I love you, but I don't think you should do that. I'm going to give you three examples, and I'm going to pray. Our church has been around for about seven years, and I remember we had this one couple um, who, uh, he, was, uh, he was military, and um, he was struggling with uh, uh, addiction to drugs. And um, man, uh, they had tried working it out, working it out, they'd been to counseling, all this stuff, and, and he was tired, he wanted to give up on the marriage. She was like, you know, whatever, I, I've walked down, there's only so many times you can walk down some certain roads, you may know what I'm talking about? And they were just like, man, what are we going to do? So he had bailed. He, had, he, had, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm done with the marriage. I'm going to get a divorce. He had filed. And uh, we knew that he was making a dumb mistake. So here's what we did. We got about seven, eight of us guys. And um, we met at a local coffee shop without his knowledge that we were going to be there. We totally, you know, stayed, you know, we staged it. It was an intervention. He shows up and he sees all of us there. And let me tell you what we didn't do. We didn't, you know, we didn't have stones and we didn't hurl at him. We didn't yell at him. We didn't, you know, we didn't do any of that stuff. We loved him in spite of the dumb decision he was making. We, asked, we said, you know, maybe you should rethink this. And you know what? At the end of that meeting, he didn't like us very much. That's okay. In fact, he didn't come back to church for a while. He eventually came back. Let me tell you where they're at now. This couple is happily married. They've had another child since then. They've stuck it out. Sometimes it works like that. Sometimes you just need people to stand in the middle of the road while somebody's going 80 miles an hour going down the interstate and there's a bridge out. They, somebody, you just need something to go, stop. You're going the wrong way. That's not any condemnation. That's not about us. That's just us about saying, you're going the wrong way. Do you have people in your life like that? Do you have people in your life when something happens that they're able to be there for you? I'll give me an example in my own life. About a year and a half ago, you know this. I, some of you guys know I was, um, I started biking. I started uh, getting into bicycling. And one of our elders is like a crazy bicyclist. He rides like 100 miles a day. It's nuts. You know, so I'm thinking, I'm going to try two, you know. <laughs> so anyway, so, uh, so I'm on International Parkway, and luckily my son was with me. And I don't exactly know what happened to this day, but I had a wreck. I broke both my bones in my arm. I messed up my neck. They, the helicopter came and life-flatted me to Vanderbilt because I couldn't remember who I was. And, I, I, you know, I was, it was just bad. And the people around me that loved on me during those six, eight, ten weeks when I really couldn't do much, are people that I'd been in communion group with and then I was in communion group. Um, I had people come and sit down you know, by my bed at home and hung out and, and, and just loved on me and talked with me. And, and, and I couldn't do anything for them. But they provided care for me. Do you have somebody like that in your life? Because if you don't, here's what I can promise you. Some of you, 2014 is going to be a great year. Your marriage is going to go awesome. 
You're going to finally get that child you've been praying for. You're going to get the promotion. You're going to, everything's just, everything's just going to align. It's going to be, oh, right? Let me tell you about others of you. 2014 is not going to be your year. Because you're going to be getting some papers. The child that you were praying for doesn't come. Or you lose a child. You don't get the promotion. In fact, you lose your job. At that moment, the only thing that's going to keep you from swerving the only thing that's going to keep you from being getting so discouraged and you just throw your hands up and say, I just don't even care about God or any of this mess anymore. Only thing that's going to keep you close is going to be friends who lock arms with you and say, I am with you. And I don't agree with what's happening. I, I weep with you with what's happening. But we are not letting you go. Do you have somebody like that? Because today can be the first step of finding that group of people. But it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be difficult. Encouraging you. It's worth it. It is worth it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, that we can be able to come today. And so many times we just... We do tell ourselves things that I, I'm not that good enough, I, I don't have that much commitment, and we just don't think we can do it. And God, you, your word tells us very clearly in this passage, we can't do it. it. It's not about us. It's not just about you and God. It's not just about me and God. That even though our relationship with God was meant to be personal, it wasn't meant to be private. That it's a team sport, it's not a solo thing. God, I pray for men and women all over this building that today they would have the courage to be able to step out and say, you know what, I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to try it. I, I pray, Jesus, that friendships, lasting friendships, would be formed by somebody willing to get a little uncomfortable and willing to take a step towards community. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.